Hey friends, this is Tyler Ames, American playing footy in Melbourne, Australia, and you are listening to A Yank on the Footy. Now in its third year, it's A Yank on the Footy with Craig Wessels talking about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Sit back and enjoy, everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 122 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels coming to you from cold and snowy Sandusky, Ohio. And I'm not kidding when I say that. It was coming down in buckets of snow today. Need to get out and do some shoveling here as soon as I finish this up. As you heard in the intro, I am pleased to be joined today by Tyler Ames of the Vermont Eagles. We'll be jumping into that discussion here in just a moment. Now, this discussion that he and I had took place right before Christmas time, and uh, you're going to learn that Tyler is uh, an American who plays footy in Australia now, and he has done so for several years. And uh, this journey of his, both literal and figurative, uh, throughout uh, Australian footy is rather unique because he's done things that I don't think a whole lot of other American players have done possibly with the exception of Mason Cox. And uh, it's a really unique episode. And going back and looking at the interviews that I have done recently, uh, several of my interview guests, and if I'm missing somebody here, it's just an oversight on my part, but I've had uh, several guests on recently, whether it's uh, Michael Gallus or Con Sotidis or Damian Buttigieg, uh, that were just inspirational people in terms of what they're doing with their lives, their messages, the story that they had uh, that we talked about, uh, especially in, uh, in Damien's case. And then, of course, you know, what, uh, what Michael does with his organization. You know, they're, they're all inspirational stories. And, and in my opinion, having gone through this discussion and gone back and having to manipulate a couple things here and there because we had a couple little hiccups with uh, the atmospherics, if you will, through the uh, the Zoom call that we had. So there were a couple things that dropped out here and there, so I've had to make a couple of tweaks, and I think I got everything lined up really well. But Tyler's story is not a whole lot different. Just very inspirational with, uh, with what he had to say during our discussion. Now, I may have mentioned this to you before in a previous episode, and I'm, I'm sure that I did. I, I'm, I'm a school teacher by trade. This is, this is my hobby. This is what I do as a hobby. I'd love to do it as a career, but uh, that's not... That's not on the horizon right now or anything of that nature. Uh, if you know people, give them a call and I'll answer the phone. But uh, in my classroom, and I teach high school, so most of the kids that I have are 16, 17, a handful of 18-year-olds that are in there their last couple of years of high school. And on the walls in my classroom, I have over 400 quotations that I have typed up on separate pieces of printer paper and have print them out uh, horizontally and they are affixed to the wall on the upper half of my of my classroom and when I first started putting them up uh, they started um, very inspirational and there were a lot of political things in there as well but as the years went by and I've been putting quotes up for for 20 years over 20 years in my classroom they started to get more and more sardonic more and more cynical and uh a few years ago, the uh, custodian staff, the maintenance staff in the district said, well, we're painting all the walls in the classrooms, so you need to take your stuff down. 
And I said, thank you. And they thought I was crazy because I was going to be having to take all of these papers down off the walls. And it gave me an opportunity to, one, retype them because the paper had curled up, but then also to kind of shuffle them around. So they there's not a trend where it started out inspirational, and as the years went by, they got more and more cynical. Because I, I teach government, so as, as most of you probably can realize, there are an awful lot of things in government, wherever you happen to be, that you could be just a little bit cynical about. But uh, there was a statement that Tyler shared during our discussion that just really struck me. And as I was going back through, and I, and I heard it when we talked, and, and as I was going back through and editing it this weekend, I, I heard it, and I stopped, and I went back and listened to it a couple times, and I decided I was going to write it down. And it's a quote that I'm actually going to be putting on the wall in my classroom. So, I mean, I, I have three quotations that have come from students or former students of mine, um, and this is going to be the first quotation from one of my guests on the podcast. So I will be putting uh, Tyler's quote up on the wall. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what it is uh, at this point in time because I want you to to hear it. And I will uh, I'll mention it in the closing comments of the episode so you know which line it was that I thought triggered something in me, inspired something in me, as I should say. Triggered maybe isn't the right word to use there, but I really enjoyed it. But before we uh, we dive into the episode, I wanted to take just a moment or two and put out a call uh, to footy fans, which everybody that's listening, I hope, is a footy fan. And, and I'm looking to try to line up some uh, some guests still for the club preview episodes. And I, I've got several of the clubs lined up. I have a couple of people for multiple clubs, which I have no problem doing that at all. But uh, if you are still considering or still interested in coming on the show or thinking about coming on the show or you know somebody it would be a great choice, please pass the information along. And you can click on the Register as a Guest button at the top of my website, ayankonthefooty.com. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So before we uh, finish up here, let's go ahead and uh, jump into the episode. I hope you enjoy it. My talk with Tyler Ames of the Vermont Eagles. It was an awful lot of fun talking with Tyler. My guest this episode is a gentleman who's a former member of the Denver Bulldogs of the USAFL and became the first American player to participate in an exchange program and play footy in Darwin with the Darwin Buffaloes. And he's actually wearing his Buffaloes jumper right now. I'd like to welcome Tyler Ames to the podcast. Tyler, thanks so much for coming on this afternoon. No, thank you, my friend, and, and technically morning here, yes. but um, no, certainly honored, and it's a pleasure to, to be here speaking with you. Yes, it, it's, you know, we've we traded messages quite a bit. Uh, this has kind of been several months in the making before we've actually, you know, set down a, a date and time, so I'm actually, you know, thrilled to be talking to you. Uh, you know, we're, we're uh, it's a Sunday afternoon here, and uh, it's, well, you're from Colorado, so you know what cold is like. Uh it's not quite as mountainous here in Ohio, but we've certainly got the cold that you guys are accustomed to as well. So you, uh, you're somebody who's, you know, been playing a lot of footy over the last few years when you get the opportunity, but it was something that was kind of introduced to you. How did, how did you come to actually get involved with playing the game itself? Yeah. So um, I, I, I was, thought of myself as an athlete and grew up playing just about every sport. 
Um, I initially had gone to college, University of Northern Colorado to play football um, and got hurt like my second week of school and didn't play. Um, played some American football in Germany as well and played, you know, some intramurals and things through, throughout college. And, you know, as most in the States, once you finish college, sport is, is over um, unless you're playing some rec league here, there, everywhere, whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I kind of just assumed that any high level sport would be done for me. And I, w I was working as an auditor, um, which seems like an entirely different lifetime ago <laughs> um, for for a, a, a large accounting firm in the States. And that was kind of my first job out of school. And um, I had helped recruit a, uh, another auditor, an Australian from um, Perth. He was a huge West Coast fan. Okay. And I had never heard of footy. Um, didn't, yeah, didn't know anything about it. But we essentially would, uh, we became really good friends. He's about my age. And we would go out to the bars on a Friday night and yeah, they'd send us home at two o'clock and we'd go back to his and watch some, um, watch some footy. Cause it would be Saturday in Australia right, and right. the games would just be coming on. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, just kind of started getting into it. And it turns out kind of all along, I think it was his plan since I was, I'm a pretty big guy. I think he had always kind of wanted to, uh, kind of secretly recruit me into the Denver Bulldogs team. And so sure enough, when the season came around, he was like, hey, come on out. There's tryouts. Like, I think you'll really like it. I'd already kind of picked up the game a little bit by watching it, you know, um, here and there. And so went and with a, a number of other American football player friends of mine and uh, was the only one that stuck it out, but fell in love with it pretty okay, quick. So, so did you not know the Bulldogs existed until he came to you and said, hey, why don't you come out and try this? Okay. Okay, so he kind of kept that. Yeah, I had never. He held that. No back. idea. Okay. <laughs> well, I want to go back real quick. You mentioned that you played football. You played gridiron football in Germany. How did that happen? Just another random adventure. I've, I've been really fortunate in life just to kind of yeah take certain opportunities up. And um, after I'd gotten hurt in the states. Um, I took it as an opportunity instead of pursuing football. I was like, oh, well, I'll uh, study abroad. So okay. we had an exchange with a business school in southern Germany in a town called Fillingen Schwenigen. And um, my first day of classes, um, I introduced myself to the class. And just after this guy runs up to me and he's like, hey, you know, you're an American. You seem like a big guy. Like, did you play American football? And I was like, yep, sure enough. And he's like, you won't believe this, but we have a, a tryouts today <laughs> for a, a team like down the road. Like I can get everything situated for you. Cause you know, it's not, I didn't bring football cleats. I didn't bring anything. Right, right. And he's like, no, 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 we'll, we'll get it sorted. And so sure enough, somebody had, you know, size 14 shoe and gave me their old soccer cleats. Okay. And um, I went to this tryout was the only American, maybe half the team spoke English. Um, and I played with a team called the Danube Hammers. And, and in Germany, they do this like relegation style, much like Australia does. Um, but I didn't, hadn't had a whole lot of exposure to that. Um, but I believe they were in the, the third or fourth division of the German football league. Okay. Um, and was the only American on my team. Um, and, and it's pretty funny because how the rules work, you can only have two Americans on the field at any given time. And so they put a large A on your helmet, okay. on the front and the back of your jersey. So you're basically just a giant target. I guess I, um, that, that but the standard was that worries, the standard was good. And, that worries yeah. me. A, that worries me a little.
you're you met how tall are you because you you said you said you're tall so how how you know i guess not i i'm just six three and a bit okay so that well that's um, that's very good size yeah that's yeah i'm 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 usually about six two, and then the alarm goes off in the morning, and I get up, and I'm back down to about five eight. Uh, <laughs> Love it. So you, you spent a semester or a year in Germany? Um, it was about uh, nine months okay. all up. I okay. Think. And you and so I played the full season, and we ended up actually uh, winning the championship. So they ended up getting moved up the next season. And you weren't there to help them out, so. No, and I think they dropped back down. Although, you know, it was it was such an interesting experience, like the whole thing, because um, it's just you know, there's so many similarities, but at the same time, yeah, there's some stark differences as well. And you know, because I was the only American, like there was some huge guys, like really big mm-hmm. guys, but you know, most of them had never played, you know, prior to a few years. Much almost exactly like me transitioning to the AFL. It's very much similar there. Um, so they certainly give it a crack. Um, I would, I'd play just about every minute of every game. You know, I'd be on special mm-hmm. teams. I played offense, defense, um, and you'd come to the sidelines and, um, we were sponsored by a beer brewery. And so they gave us free beer as much as you could drink uh-huh. and guys would drink it, you know, pretty much. It felt like during games, right, we right. would drink sparkling water. It was just, yeah, it was, it was, it's just different world, but, um, man, it was a lot of fun. It gave me a good chance to see much more of Germany because we would travel around in, in a beautiful bus right. to games and go to some festivals afterwards. And yeah, that was, um, yeah, I feel, feel very fortunate with many of the experiences that I've had. I mean, do you, do you think that the big guys that, that were playing, do you think that they had, uh, they had kind of sized themselves out of being able to play soccer. So this was like a great respite for them that these guys were probably not going to be great soccer players because of their, their girth or their, their, just their sheer size. No question about it. Like there was probably 11 guys taller than me and, and most well and truly taller than me. The guy that would drive me to training every day. Um, we, we called him Gollum, but his real name was Sasha, and he was about 6'7", and weighed about 330 pounds, wow. and he was, he was an athlete, wow. and, um, you know, he would pick me up in this green Mercedes, and um, every day, he'd honk the horn, I'd come down, he'd have the door open for me, he'd walk around, and every time he'd sit in the car, the car would just shift <laughs> and, with his weight, and you'd drive down, you know, the Autobahn, mm-hmm. so we'd be going 100 miles an hour to training, and then... After training, I'd be drinking my beer in the car on the way home, going 100 miles back home. And it was just, um, wow. yeah, that was cool. Wow. Wow. So you, you, you played, how many seasons did you play with the Bulldogs before you uh, made the transition? We're going to get into just, just two. Okay. Um, I, I played that first year. Um, I couldn't make it to all the tournaments, but um, you know, I played enough. And then I went to, um, nationals which was in austin okay and i played on our reserves team and and got one of the best ons for the tournament okay and so that kind of really cemented the fact that oh i, I could be okay at this yeah. like just really commit and so then the next year um yes i played again and that's when the conversation started happening around me coming to australia and um, i was kind of at a point in life where i was like yeah maybe this could be something that i pursue and yeah, here I am. Okay, so you you 
applied for and you interviewed for a program to to where you ended up playing in in Darwin? I mean, were there were there other opportunities or did you feel that that was the best one or was that the only one that you were going to be able to do? Um, so it all came about one of my good friends. So I'm still actually good friends. I saw him this week. Um, Sam Nix. He, uh, he played, he's an Australian from, and played out at Montrose, which is the club I ended up when I came down to Melbourne, but, um, he was playing with the Austin Crows. And I remember a game, uh, when we were playing during the season in Austin, really hot day. Um, they were beating us pretty good. I was in the forward line. We had a lot of time just to talk because uh, the ball wasn't coming down <laughs> my direction much. And, um, you know, we ended up just, yeah, getting on uh, really well. And he's like, oh, yeah, you should really consider going to Australia. And I really hadn't ever thought I'd ever come to Australia, period, let alone, um, yeah, to, to play footy. And um, I ran him down after, after the game and um, just started the conversation. And he introduced me uh, to a couple people with the USAFL, a couple guys here in Australia as well. And they were looking for the first American to start the exchange program up in Darwin. Okay. And I went through a fairly extensive kind of interview process. I know at that nationals met a lot of the guys. Um, I know uh, just having talked to them and, you know, afterwards, um, they had really been looking for somebody, one that could at least hold their own, okay. um, while playing, but you know, didn't necessarily need to you know, set the world on fire, but more just really appreciate the experience okay. and, and go up and, and be able to go to a place like Darwin and just take it all in. Um, now, did they conduct these interviews in a sauna to help prepare you for it or how did that work? <laughs> Um, I wish that would have helped a lot more. I did not, I did not know what I was getting into. Um, that when I, when I, so when I left, uh, Denver, it was in January, just after the new year. Okay. And yes. they had just they had this big blizzard come in and it, it dropped down to negative, I think like negative 22, 24 Fahrenheit. Uh -huh. And I said goodbye to my friends and my family got on a plane I took like a 90 hour flight. I, it was lay over here, lay over there. Cause mm -hmm. I didn't really have any real timeline to get there. And it wasn't like a trip where I had to worry. Oh, well, I was cutting into, you know, my holiday. Right, so right. I just took a very extended trip and I literally land on a Saturday morning uh, at about five in the morning and, and walk out and the, you just get hit. It is like a furnace uh -huh. because not only, so they play their season in the wet season up in Darwin. Right, right. And so um, for the Americans, imagine it's, it's Darwin's kind of northernmost part of the country. And it, uh, it's the closest to the equator. Mm -hmm. So just kind of flip America on its head and maybe it's more like a, a Florida uh, where it's just very hot, very humid. And during the wet season, which is the rainy season, right, right. it's just ramped up even more. So it's probably 36 degrees Celsius and about 100% humidity. And Mark grabs me, takes me home. I uh, was like, here, this is where you're staying. And uh, yeah, there's a game later today. And <laughs> you know, I, I, I remember the first game. I only actually remember the first half. I played the whole game, okay. but I, I would have lost that much weight and sweat that much. I, I was that dehydrated by the end of it that I, I, yeah, I don't remember much by the end. And they're, they're not, they're not serving beers and sparkling water on this, on the, in the interchange. No, okay. <laughs> no. The one nice thing is when you, when you do play at the TIO Oval, which is their mm -hmm. really nice right, stadium right. there, um, they have 
two rooms Chill for rooms. each of the clubs to go into uh, during the, the breaks, quarter time breaks. And it's just like air conditioning to the max. Uh-huh. You're basically walking from the heat into just the ice cold and um, a bit of relief, but then you walk right back out right, on the right. field and yeah, you're just trying by the end of the game, not to, not to cramp up. And it was, yeah, it was fun. It definitely, again, just a weird, a unique experience, but um, really, really cool. So are you thinking to yourself when you're doing that, what am I getting myself into or what did I get myself into? Um, no, okay, never. Cool. That's like, good. That's good. I think for me, um, you know, again, I'm, I'm just kind of a, a puppy dog at times in all, all things. And I just, um, I was just so excited and so appreciative of the experience. Right. And I, I knew that, you know, I was kind of the first person to be doing mm-hmm. this. Um, and just, you know, that I, I guess just being really grateful all the time uh, that you just never give yourself even an opportunity to go, wait, what did I just decide yeah. to do? What have I done? It was more just, okay, well, what's the next day going to hold? Who do I get to meet? What kind of experiences do I get to have? And up in Darwin, especially, you know, it is such, you know, for, for an American that doesn't know much about Australia, and that's your first time in Australia, you know, it is such a unique, it's, it's just like almost sometimes being on a different planet, like I, just things that you would almost think out of maybe a movie or, um, but just, you just start getting embedded into the culture and the community. And, you know, I lived with a family called the Motlops. Um, Mark Motlop was my coach, mm-hmm. but also, um, I guess, my Australian dad when I started. And um, so I lived with him and his family. Um, he had coached, I think, in Seattle right. um, as well. Okay. So he at least kind of, you know, could bridge the gap a little bit for me. Um, he knew, but, he knew you know, about rainy seasons. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, and and kind of knew what, you know, the other side from what I was experiencing. Right, right. Um, so it could really kind of normalize what I was going through. And... Yeah, just, yeah, got me around the, the guys. One of the, So that Sunday, the first Sunday that I was there, and this may not mean much to you, but for all the, um, the Australians, they'll really, they'll laugh at this. Um, when the, uh, that Sunday, they was like, great, you're going to get to meet the whole team and we'll, um, we'll get you around. We're actually doing a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're going to this hardware store and we're cooking um, snags. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what are snags? And it's so it turns out Bunnings is basically like yes. the Home Depot right, right. in Australia. So it's yep. huge. And it almost like a it's it's this like iconic cultural, like if you go to Bunnings, you're gonna get a two dollar snag, which for them is basically just like a hot dog on a piece of white bread kind of fold on a piece of white yeah, bread. Yeah. yeah. And then it yeah. they maybe puts a little bit of onions on yep. it, and then you just put your tomato sauce, yeah. not ketchup. Right. Um and then away you go. And then you have your little, you have a drink. And so, yeah, yeah I got to actually be a part of a Bunnings sausage <laughs> sizzle. Uh, On day one. 20, yeah, day, day one, essentially. Wow. Yeah. So, so you know, how did you, your, your teammates with the Buffaloes, they knew you were coming. They knew there was going to be a yank on their side. How, mm. how were you received by them? <sighs> Amazing, okay. to be fair. Like, and I think, yeah, I think in all um, situations, you know, that law of reciprocity, right? Mm-hmm. You give what you receive. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I was just there to add as much value as I could right, right. and just have as much fun as I could. And yeah, from, from, I think, you know, it was a little bit of both initially. It's just that weighing out and kind of, okay, who is this guy? What is he here for? What's his deal? Right. Like, is there, you know, like, 
is he, is there art ulterior motives or anything? You know, you just have a little bit of that where you have to just build the trust. Mm-hmm. And I know right from the beginning, it was like, okay, I'm just going to work as hard as I can. Mm-hmm. Makes and sense. My, back then my skills were horrendous. So I'm sure they weren't thinking, oh, great. He's going to let, you know, be a huge impact for us. Um, so when I, you know, early on for most of my time there, I just, I played in the twos. Um, but I was big and especially in Darwin, I was very big. Right, right. So I, I could immediately make an impact in the ruck. You know, I, uh, just always smiling, always having fun, always being pretty happy. Um, but the guys got around me so quick and, and the culture and the community standpoint of footy up there is just something like I've never seen yeah. anywhere. It's, it's, it's almost a magical thing. And, and the other cool thing, thinking back to some of those first trainings that I had, you know, for me, it's okay, well, I'm an American, I'm in Australia, and I'm watching these kids play, play footy. And they're brilliant. Mm-hmm. Some of the things that they were doing, I look back even now and go, how were they able to do these things? You know, after training, you know, having kicks from behind the goals uh-huh. and, and doing bananas and spinning, you know, just and kicking goal after goal after goal. I just assumed, okay, well, this is just an Australian thing, right? They've been playing their whole life. Right, so right. They, this is just what they do. And now coming down and having played the last kind of four or five years in Melbourne, you realize, you know, some of the Aboriginal kids and the skills that they have and just the creativity and the athleticism mm-hmm. and the things that they can do. Um, oh, it's something to behold. I, I oh, Such a cool, cool thing in hindsight. It's, you know, it's, it's amazing watching, you know, some of the, you know, the, the players that can, that can do some magical things, you know, you know, whether it be somebody like Eddie Betts or, you know, um, mm. you know, we're starting to see that sort of thing with, you know, players like uh, Kazi Pickett, um, who's just, yeah. you know, just, he's going to, I going to be phenomenal, you know, in, mm. in and I'm a D's fan. Uh, so I'm uh, well, very happy about that, that. That answers a question I was going to get to in a little bit. I was going to ask if you had ended up being a West coast supporter. Um, but now let me, I have to ask this. Uh were you a D support? Were you a D supporter before this September? I have to ask. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'll explain this really quick of how it all came to be. Um, so, yeah, it would make sense. Okay, initially maybe be a West Coast fan because that's what I, you know, supported um, my buddy Mitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you would think, okay, well, I played with the Denver Bulldogs, and I actually watched that grand final at our local pub. Um, in Denver when the Bulldogs won um, that surprise grand final. I think that was 2016. And so I thought I'd come being a huge Bulldogs fan. Um, When I got to Melbourne, I got placed with um, uh, the Bunkles, which is kind of my Australian family now that I call them. Um, We actually had like a family dinner last night, which is really, really lovely. But um, one of my Australian brothers, Sean, who uh, was living with as well, he worked for the AFL and he was a big D's fan. Okay. So even though the rest of the family were all Bombers supporters, he had kind of broken free, followed the D's. And I got placed, I played with a club called Montrose in the Eastern Football League. Um, and they were also the Demons. Okay. And so very quickly, when you're supporting the Demons every weekend with your club, um, every chance we got to go see a game at the G Mm -hmm. uh, that I wasn't playing for. We got free tickets for my brother so we could go see games. And, you know, when you're singing the song and it just, yeah. So there was a big clash between the D's and the Bulldogs. And I was like, cool, this is going to be my moment when I really know what team I really love the most. And um, 
Yeah, I don't, I don't even know if the D's won, but I, I barracked for them for the majority of the game. I, I found myself just pulling for them, and so I just figured, well, that's where my heart is. I'll stick with them. And so that first season, we uh, we missed the eight, which is the top. Right. Um, yeah, the, the top eight teams basically make the finals for the Americans, I suppose. Um, and so we missed that by just percentage. So we had an even, even draw with the last team, but they had kicked more goals to what was scored against them. Mm-hmm. And so they made it in. So we weren't good. And then the next year, we came out of nowhere and we played brilliantly. Uh, and I went to every single grand final game here until they went to Perth and got absolutely destroyed. Uh, shared a few tears um, that day. And then uh, the next year we're thinking, okay, well, we have a young team. We look really great. We're going to come back. And um, yeah, we, we second bottom. We were nearly the worst team in the league. Right. And so that's a very typical D's thing, right? Because um, yeah, I, I talk to my brother all the time and yeah, some of the stories about you know, him growing up, going to see games where they were losing by 100, 200 points. <laughs> this is professional sports. Right. And they're losing by 200 points. Like they, they, up until this year, they had not won a grand final in 57 yep. years. And so, um, so yeah, so as much as that, now I'm getting some slack for being a, a Fairweather fan. Ooh, nice. Yes. The last rock. <laughs> yep. Love it. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the, the D's have such a great culture, you know, there's so many legends mm-hmm. of the game that, you know, we either coached or played with them. Absolutely. And so this year was magical and, and a bit of a shame because obviously we're in lockdown for the grand final. Um, amongst so o- amongst out, other days uh, of the year. Yes. But yeah, yeah well, lots, <laughs> lots of lockdown, yeah. but um, that one in particular. Yeah. Um, so snuck up to my, uh, my brother Sean's house and watched the, uh, the, grand final with him Mm -hmm. and at least that was nice and then just uh two weekends ago um one of my friends here took me to she's a big d's fan as well and so we went and they did they showed the whole game um on the jumbotrons and then they had all the players come out they did like the big presentation there's about forty thousand fans at mcg there just to kind of celebrate it um in retrospect so it was good so you 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 made the trek from Darwin to to uh, to Melbourne. Um, you said you did that as a cross country drive. You didn't fly there, and I I, I wanted no. to touch on that because that that yeah. you, you you talked about how much different Darwin was from being in the Denver area, but I have to imagine just going through the center of the country had to even be mm. different than being in Darwin. So what, what was that trip like? And, you know, and you, you said that you had traveled with one of your, your Aboriginal teammates. Uh, was that, was that sort of a similar trip to the 90 hour flight where you were not necessarily in a hurry and doing some sightseeing and, and learning more about the culture and more about the country as Mm -hmm. you're making that trek? Yes and no. Um, So very much it's a different world that's a different planet mm-hmm. when you drive through australia um i've, I've made cross-country trips across america you know pretty much all the way across mm-hmm. on multiple occasions so i've seen all of america and there's a lot to see and even when you're going through cornfields like you know there's plenty of towns that you can just stop to grab some food stop to grab some gas and um i had thought about flying down but um one of well a couple of the guys actually but one of my teammates alex um every year because of the difference in seasons. Mm-hmm. So essentially because footy is played up in the wet season, which allows then in the dry season cricket to be played right. versus then 
down here, uh, the seasons almost flip on each other and in footies played in the winter. And so how it works with a lot of the guys up in Darwin that play high level in the NTFL, they're able to come down and clubs around Victoria and other places, they'll pay players, you know, uh, cash in hand at, for every game. Mm -hmm. And then they generally put them up in accommodation all together and then get them like an apprenticeship or some sort of job. Okay. So it, it's actually very, very, it's, 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 yeah, it's very fruitful to be, be able to do that. Cause then they can go right back up to Darwin um, and play in, in kind of that off season. So I knew that there were a couple guys coming down and Alex had become a, a good friend of mine. And there's a small town up on the border of new South Wales and Victoria um, called Swan Hill. And he had come down a, a number of years back to back to back. Um, and his partner, um, girlfriend, now wife, um, lived in Swan Hill. So he would come down to play. And so I knew that he was coming. And I just said, hey, if you've got any extra room, I'd love to just come with you instead of flying. Okay. Um, just because, again, I, I figured, when am I ever going to get an experience like that? And he was, um, again, being originally, he's originally from Alice Springs, which is also in the Northern Territory. Yes. So that's where, if you were ever to go to Uluru, um, it's on the route there. Yeah. You basically would fly into Alice Springs. And so we drove like 16 or can I, 14 can I hours. Can I stop you there? Oh man. Um, but yeah, we just, we drove straight through. Um, and how, how basically we, because he was from there, we spent about four or five days in Alice, um, you know, driving through the middle of, of Australia, it is just like driving through Mars mm -hmm. at times. Yeah. It is just barren red, you know, as far as the eye can see. You have to take um, gas canisters with you oh, because, okay. or petrol, you would call it here, um, because you would drive two, three hours and not see a single car, a single soul. You certainly wouldn't drive past a petrol station. Right, so, right. you know, you, we would essentially just run out of gas, putts to the side of the road, and then get out, fill, it fill up. back up, and then just get on and keep on going. And, um, I don't think at any point while I was up there, um, did I really fully appreciate or understand how unique of an experience mm -hmm. that was mm -hmm. getting to spend that much time with, um, just yeah, the beautiful people and the culture that is that, uh, the Aboriginal culture. Um, so for me, it was just, these are just people and they're my friends and I just, this is what we're doing. And, um, it's just part of the experience, but I'm um, in hindsight now that I've lived down in Melbourne for you know four plus years yeah you just you reflect on it and it's just yeah it's just magical it's really 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 I feel just beyond blessed to have gotten to do that so we basically just drove to Alice spent about four days there and then went from Alice straight down to Adelaide which is like another 16 straight mm -hmm. hour drive and then um, spent a couple days in Adelaide before just uh, about three four hours to Swan Hill and then I played a couple practice matches in Swan Hill at the start of the season with him. Okay. And then I went from Swan Hill to on a train down to Melbourne, which is where um, Rod Bunkle and the Bunkle family picked me up from the okay. train station. And then I lived out in Croydon, which is kind of the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. So you had made you'd made arrangements to to play with uh, Montrose before you were headed down. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. okay. That makes sense then. So, you know, and you, they had, go ahead. 
they had um the the that whole exchange program that had brought me down mm-hmm. they had kind of set everything up i think the, the the whole plan really was they wanted me to do a season in darwin yeah. come down play with montrose go back to darwin come down to montrose and then my two-year visa would be up and i'd go home okay and then i'd take a lot of the experiences and share them with with the usafl and the bulldogs okay um i ended up wanting to to find yeah, so they offered me jobs with the club that were a little more blue collar work. Um, I've always been pretty career motivated and driven. And you know, I wasn't young by any means. I was 27 at this point. So I was like, well, let's do two things with one. And so I ended up finding a job that I could get sponsored um, and then making making more, uh, I guess, roots here. Okay. Um, but yeah, one of uh, there was one other player. He didn't do the Darwin Exchange, but he had come um so ben he's he's a star absolutely stud um chippy we called him um but he played with the usafl played with austin um this would this be young would this be young mr martinez no no ben and i just don't want to butcher his last name that's okay um but yes he's he he was the so in the last um world or the international cup he was named best in the tournament okay yeah because i t- i just was talking to ben martinez at place for the crows he's from perth i was just talking to him, yeah, again okay. him last night yeah so um and yeah so essentially um ben had had played with montrose for uh, a couple years and lived with the bunkles as well okay. so they they had already been kind of a part of the exchange well-versed in, a, in kind of the American culture. And so, yeah, it was a nice landing spot, but even that was great because, you know, then I got to live with, you know, an Australian family here mm-hmm. in Victoria and I got to learn, yeah, you know, just immediately you're embedded in kind of the culture and the community. And I got to have my footy mates and I got all of my, you know, Sean's friends are now my good friends. And so, Many expats, especially down here in Melbourne, can sometimes just get stuck with other expats because it can be a bit clicky Mm -hmm. here. Um, And I just was fortunate that immediately, as soon as I got, you know, yeah, boots on the ground, as they might say, um, I I got embedded into the culture and and I've ever since just had some really brilliant relationships. So you... You've played uh, you played a few seasons with Montrose. You ended up uh, finding yourself as the captain of the reserve squad, which uh, you know, I think you kind of have to look at that as a as a pretty significant accomplishment for for an American to to get that position, wouldn't you? Yeah, especially from when I first started at Montrose. So essentially, how it works in in Victoria, there's there are teams everywhere. It blows my mind how many teams are right around the city of Melbourne. Um, so that Eastern football league is, is a pretty, you know, well-respected, good standard. Um, and they, every single league, um, whether it's the VAFA or the Northern football league or the Southern football league, the Eastern football league, they all have Mm -hmm. multiple divisions within. So, you know, at the time there's four divisions within the EFL. And so they actually played at the very top, the premier division, um, which is one of the best standards in, in Victoria. So when I first got to Montrose, um, I still, you know, having still been transitioned from the um, USAFL game where it's very much, you know, kind of kick to contest, kick to contest, you know, kind of uh-huh. the ball. Um, I just found myself almost like a little kid chasing the ball, but never getting it because I just didn't understand that you need <laughs> a couple kicks away and you had to position yourself the right way to actually impact it. You know? So yeah, it was a lot of un, un, unrewarded running. Um, 
And so for the first probably half of my, my initial season at Montrose, I didn't even, I started on the bench, which, oh, yeah. the competitive person just killed me. But um, I, I was just not good enough to impact and play enough minutes. Um, and so I had to really learn quickly and develop myself, develop my skills. Um, and so by that second season to be named the captain of the reserves was for me, yeah, probably one of the biggest honors and accomplishments that I've had because yeah, just to be able to lead a, an amazing group of men and, and be a part and actually add value to a team beyond just, oh, a token American, right? I, I was actually adding real value to the team and, you know, the community really got around me. And yeah, that was an honor to say the least. And, you know, you, you've now moved on to play with the Vermont Eagles, mm. if I'm not mistaken, uh, which their logo looks very familiar. Yep. Um, different color, different color combination. Uh, but you know, there, I think I can hear the Liberty bell somewhere ringing off in the distance. Uh, <laughs> yep. but, um, so how did you make the transition from, from Montrose to the Eagles? Yeah. So, um, that first season, you know, I was still living out in the Eastern suburbs with that, with the Bunkle family and, and mm-hmm. yeah, it wasn't, I was working in the city, but the commute really wasn't too bad. Um, I then decided to move to St. Kilda, which is actually where I still live. And the commute every day from the city out to training and you train Tuesday, Thursday games on Saturdays. Um, Mm -hmm. I would leave the city at about four and get lucky to be there right at six. And so, um, and then, you know, luckily no traffic coming the other way at night, but it's still another 45 minutes to an hour drive. And so Mm -hmm. I was able, I didn't miss a single training for, I think, you know, the next two seasons at Montrose, but it just got to the point where I was like, I, I can't keep that up. So I started yeah. looking for local clubs around St. Kilda and I trained in a number of different places. And one of my, so the coach that had named me captain of the, the reserves at Montrose had moved to Vermont, which is, okay. so they're kind of the premier club of that top division in the EFL. And okay. I played against them a lot and they'd beaten us bad a lot and I, <laughs> to be honest I didn't have the best um feelings towards them and I what I I just did not think that I'd ever go play with them um right but with COVID um I, I mm-hmm. actually signed on to play uh with a local club in in the southern top division of the southern football league uh in Bentley East and I would have played that whole season but then COVID happened and we didn't really get any games at all that year and so um, when things started picking back up, uh, the SFL was really slow to get back into trainings and everything. So I was like, oh, well, I'll okay. go out and train with Vermont. Because, um, again, the standard's really good. I think they've got something like 18 guys that are listed in the VFL or did at the time. Um, and so that okay. VFL is that top, you know, basically um, just under the AFL level. It's the top. Right, right. And so to get around some of those guys and train with some of the best players that I've ever seen, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, I was like, yeah, that is not going to hurt me by any means. And so luckily what I found very quickly is, is the culture and the community there, um, was brilliant. Like they weren't in, okay. you know, even though they had, had all the success and they have that many amazing players, you couldn't tell who was good and who wasn't based on the interactions with players. There was no clicks. There was no, 
Um, you know, oh, we're, we're better. You know, you guys are down there. None of that. And so I just kind of fell in love with that. I realized my game was just getting so much better by being in that environment. Um, and so, yeah, the last season I just said, I'll, I'll sign with them. And I'm really happy that I did because uh, one, I just, I got that much better. I won more games this last year, even in a, a shortened season with COVID than I had my entire time at Montrose in the three seasons previously. So okay, that well, that's nice to, to so wins. You, you showed me before we started recording, you kind of, you know, gave me a look outside of the window of your house and there was a, a cricket ground, you know, uh, off to, off, not too far in the distance. Is that where, is that where Vermont does their training? Uh, no. So Vermont's actually still, um, another probably, uh, 45 minutes hour away. Okay. So I still commute and I, I, I know people think I'm still crazy for the amount of time that I put into just traveling, but you know, again, yeah, I only get this opportunity once. I'm only going to be as fit and as athletic as I am right now in this moment. And so I figure why not just give it one more big crack to, to hopefully win a flag and play at that highest level. Um, and maybe even, you know, my ultimate goal is to get at least one senior game. Cause if I can do that at, at mm -hmm. Vermont, that's going to be, yeah, just something that, yeah. Other than obviously Mason and a few others, it's just not, not many Americans will have said. Right. Right. Do. And and I mentioned this to you uh, before we started recording also, because you, you told me then that you had played uh, um, you'd played a game up in New South Wales in Corowa and that you'd also had uh, been involved in some games in, in uh, up in the, at least one game up in the Brisbane area as well. So yep. I, and I, I said, you know, other than Mason Cox, you know, in the, in the AFL, you might be the American that's played, you know, high level footy in the most States in Australia. Mm. And your yeah, your plans are to hopefully get to, to Tasmania this winter. Yeah, um, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's it's it's just kind of became one of those things where I I played in three different states, and I was like, you know what, let's just let's go for all seven. Uh, you know, if I'm here, that's something that you know, mm -hmm. not even just as American playing footy in Australia, but australians i don't there would be very few that have probably played in every state in australia so i just thought all right that should be something that i just put in the the, the bucket list of the accomplishments that i'd like to say that i've been able to do and so i've been slowly but surely ticking each one off uh, if it hadn't been for covid i'd probably have have achieved that by now but um i'll get up to tassie this year hopefully perth this year uh just basically during bye weeks i just you have to sign so you have to delist from your current club. And so my club has to allow me to move, away, okay. break my contract for a, basically a, a weekend and then a week? sign okay. whatever club I go to just for a weekend and then do the whole okay. process transfer back to, to my actual club. So it's a bit of a, a thing, but definitely worth it. Okay. That's fantastic. So it's, um, so you've been, you've been in Australia, you came, you actually came back to the States in, I think February back to the U.S. in what February of 2020 to try out for the U.S. national squad. Yep, and that didn't end up happening. Yeah, because uh, well, you know, <laughs> so, something happened somehow. Somehow, COVID ended up getting out into society. We're we're not supposed to talk about how that happened, no. but it it somehow it happened. I who knows what possibly could have occurred. I'm, okay, um, 
did you have a hard time getting back into Australia? Cause I mean, were they just getting ready to start the lockdowns at that point in time or what happened with that? It just was, I mean, just right before everything started happening. Um, when I, funny enough, when I landed in San Francisco for my layover to get down to Houston, um, mm-hmm. in the international terminal was the first case that went from America back to, to Australia. And so it was a doctor who actually was in Vail, Colorado, funny enough. So, um, a couple connections there and he, uh, was flying back and actually lived in Turak, I believe just, yeah, not maybe a stone's throw from where I'm at now. And so, um, it was probably still another three weeks before Australia went into any sort of lockdown. Um, okay. So I was able to make it back, no issues. But uh, okay. Um, then I wouldn't have been allowed back in, uh, and I'd right, right, would be completely different now. Yeah, you but you'd have ended up having to stay here, and yep. you know, yeah, because you're yeah, because when you came down to play for Montrose, is that? I know you'd said you've been offered some different types of jobs, but is that when you really started your, your career, you know, back in the, in tech and that sort of thing yeah. Did that kind of so, start happening well, at that time? Back to, so my, you know, my, my roots were in public accounting. I was an auditor. And then I thought I'd have to become an auditor here to get sponsorship. And mm-hmm. I went to a recruiter that specialized in accountants and told them I hated accounting. And so they, uh, <laughs> They didn't kick me to the curb. Instead, they said, oh, well, do, do you want to work for us? Uh, so I started at a very entry level, bit, you know, like 60K a year uh, mm-hmm. job in recruitment. And fortunately, had a lot of success really early on. Um, moved into a management position within, yeah, about 18 months. Moved across into managing like a, uh, with the same company, a financial planning and wealth team. And then... That success after about a year, um, a large multinational recruitment agency brought me in to basically manage a a tech team. And then I did that through COVID. And now I'm with uh, the organization I'm at now um, to do technology recruitment. Cool. So, you know, I, um, one of the other people that I talked to quite a bit online and I actually owe him a, I owe him a note because he sent a couple to me. Uh, are you familiar with Rick Shabani? Oh yeah. He plays at the LA dragons. Yep. Okay. Um, well, you know, Rick did the same, did something very similar to what you did. He came over, I believe in 2018 mm. and played a year in, uh, in the Melbourne area. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a group of us, not many, um, as you know, there's, mm-hmm. um, I think at the time, maybe four total Americans, but we'd get together at Gosh's paddock where the D's actually do their, their trainings. Um, not far from the G and yeah, we just have a kick all together. And so Rick joined us a couple times for that. Um, yeah. Which is okay. good. So yeah, what I, what I wanted to ask you here is that, and I wanted to get your thought on this because uh, you know, would you, re- and I have to read how I wrote it down here. I said, would you recommend to other USAFL players who are as you know, basically the, the term I kind of put down here is as horizontally mobile as you were when you made the trek to, to Darwin, um, and that you've got the requisite set of skills. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say a u- unique set of skills. Cause I think that I owe Liam Neeson a dollar for saying that. <laughs> um, but, um, 
would you recommend that they they try to find a way to come do what you did in Australia and come play at that kind of level? Oh, without a doubt. Like you'd be silly not to if if you had the opportunity to come and experience this. It's unlike anything that you'll ever do. Uh, the, the footy culture, people just get get around you, and because it is still so unique to be an American playing here, the amount of doors mm-hmm. opened up, the amount of relationships people that I've met through the football community to the very highest levels, you know, even just funny enough, just um, last, I was at my company Christmas party at a place called the SB last Friday. And um, there's a, a guy named uh, Razor Ray, who's like an official. And yes, it, I, it, yes, uh, we, um, yes, Razor Ray of the, well, you know, we kind of joke about his uh, abilities with the center bounce. Yeah. Nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah so you met razor ray huh he was just with a group of friends i was wearing like an outlandish christmas suit and um i just yeah sat down and just told him you know hey i played with the usafl because obviously he had um been across and done done some you know work at the nationals and um mm-hmm. and we just chatted for about 30 minutes um and it's just those kind of things where that's terrific yeah you know, people just they, they get around you because they're just happy that you're embracing their sport and their culture. And mm-hmm. you would get to a club and immediately have 30, 40, you know, great friends that would take you out, would look after you. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there is a lot of money as well in local footy, which is great. So you easily could find a club where you're getting paid, you know, not heaps, but, but you know, a little bit as just side income, but then more importantly, like clubs go out of their way to, put you up in accommodation or to help you find a job. Um, so you'd really you know, have no issues landing on your feet. And now there's enough of us here that whatever level you're at, it doesn't much matter. Mm-hmm. There's every level of footy here that still play. Right, right. Still come and train every Tuesday, Thursday, get a game. So you could find a level for your skill set and okay. grow so much. Like the amount that I grew in just one year over here versus – you know, probably, you know, if I had played just the last five years in America, like night and day. That's fantastic. I mean, and it's, and I'm, I'm thrilled that, you know, that you've been able to develop your skills and, and, and it's, it's led to some, some good career opportunities for you and some of the other things that you're doing as well. So I had a few uh, just kind of questions to, to get to know you a little bit here as we, uh, as we kind of, you know, work towards wrapping this up here. Um, now, or did I just scrolled right past it there? Here we go. Um, you know, from everything that I've read about you online and from what you shared with me, you, know, you seem to have had a lot of success in your life. A lot of things have gone mm-hmm. extraordinarily well for you, which is, which is a great thing. But is there something that you're not very good at? Um. Well, I would have said cooking uh, before COVID. Okay. I was a terrible cook. So bad. You're a terrible cook. Okay. Then with uh, with COVID, I started getting into HelloFresh. And because I had a lot of time and I was locked in my house, I started getting into cooking. And so now I actually quite like it. I think I'm pretty good at it. Um, besides that, I don't know how to knit. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Well, that's okay. <laughs> Well, that's pro- probably not a lot of knitting going on in Darwin, I would imagine. They're probably not using a lot of wool on much of anything. No. Uh, yeah. So, so while you were while you were in lockdown, okay, you were you're, and, and 
lockdown was certainly a thing in Victoria. And I, I, I've engaged and talked to a lot of people who are on both sides of the happiness coin with regards to lockdown in Victoria. Mm. Um, you know, but, uh, did you leave anything on Netflix unwatched? To be honest, I, I hardly watched anything at all. Um, oh, okay. A bit of a shock, but you know, I'm, I am a social butterfly. I love people. Okay. About, and so you would naturally assume, and I thought I would really have struggled with the last two years because obviously being one of the most locked down places in the world. Um, right, right. Yeah, that socialness goes out the window. But um, I, I was really fortunate, you know, part of the side business I'm a part of in a community, you know, I, I really got into like personal development and leadership. I've read more books in the last two years than I'd read in my entire life, you know, tenfold. Okay. Um, and I, I look back, which I, I really think that this is probably the best couple of years of my life. It's certainly been the most transformational for me personally. So I, I don't, okay. I just, um, uh, again, like all things, you know, perception, right. That, that really is everything. Okay. And I just, I, I think happiness can be habitual. So I just, I just choose to look at, at everything glass half full, um, maybe glass to overflowing if, as much as I can. There you go. You okay. I'll, I'll make the most of it. So it's been a good couple of years. Okay. So what, what, what were some of the, uh, what were some of the books that, that, that stuck with you that, that you read during this, this time? Mm, um, one of the most important books uh, I think everybody should read is a book uh, called um, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Uh, okay. Really, really great book um just yeah top to bottom it just really helps people understand why we do the things that we do and certain habits and how to break habits and set new ones so anytime i'm starting a new job or any new endeavor um i will now read that book just so that i'm setting myself up for success right from the get-go and setting really strong habits um another great one that i read recently um called think again by adam grant uh, which really died okay. uh, helping us understand um, kind of our confirmation biases and why we actually believe the things that we believe and trying to take a step back and look at everything through a more scientific lens of how, you know, why do I believe this? And, and is this the right way? Is there another way? Um, and I think maybe now more than ever, that that is a book that the whole world needs to read because yeah, that might not be a bad idea. So much polarization. It would just be good for people to go, guess what? Okay. We all have our own perspective. Maybe, you know, maybe we can take a step back and um, yeah, it really goes through a lot to help dissect and help people um, rediscover and rethink, which is good. And, and I, and I think, you know, in reality, you know, I think, you know, people who might have differing viewpoints on things probably have a lot more in common than they realize it's just that they've been they've been you know i don't want to say led around by the nose by you know people in government or in the media that sort of thing but it, but in many ways that's what's happened is that they've well they've gotten into their echo chambers and that's the, the that's the exact word right we all live in an echo chamber we all have um in, in influences and so you know our our sphere and our orbit of people around us mm-hmm. the media and facebook that it creates this feedback loop and and the beliefs that then we have gets shared by the people in the community around you and so then it just builds and and foundationalizes and over time as it really cements because that's all you're hearing then it gets to a point where you almost it becomes your core identity and that and that mm-hmm. change your identity and that out of that belief system is almost impossible to do 
And so I think one of the greatest things about moving to Australia and just traveling anywhere, right? I think anyone can attest when you have, you know, left your little bubble in your small town, you know, you just get to see and meet so many diverse humans that have right, right. any similar shared experiences because we're all human beings. Yet, right. you know, they have different perspectives on things because of their orbit that they had. So when you start sharing exactly. and it just opens your mind and your eyes to that, yes, we are all the same in a lot of ways, more mm-hmm. ways than we're different. It's more than just the inputs that we had that were coming in that then kind of changes our identities here or there. But yeah, I, I yeah, I feel fortunate to have come and, and to have lived here, especially during this time. Um, because you just get a yeah, and I guess I have to ask, do you, just based upon the people that, that you know, what percent, what percentage of people do you think that are in Victoria have come out of the back end of the lockdowns and have, have had a similar, you know, philosophy on this? Because it seems like so many people have just become, you know, so despondent and, and have had so many, you know, mental health issues and such being being sequestered away for, for, for such a long period of time. And it, and it sounds like you, you've been able to, to latch onto things that, that were, that were helping to help you grow emotionally, mm. even socially, even though you were not actually able to get out there and socialize with people. Yeah, no question. I, I would say um, way more people than you think have come okay. and, you know, are, are doing better now that we're out of the lockdowns the problem really okay. you know being in lockdown and not it's more of that fear of the unknown so your body naturally goes into that kind of fight it for flight and even myself you know i'm definitely i'm not performing at my very highest you know i have bad days mm-hmm. you know i just choose to look at it through a positive sphere and then there's something that i've really noticed around here lately now that we've come out of this long second long lockdown and back into the real world and just right back into holidays and fun and people. Um, it's much like when you're from a small town, you, you know, time moves a little bit more slowly. And the reason for that is, you know, you have fewer just things, distractions, inputs, because you've seen right, right. this is just your little bubble and you're very used to it, right? And then when you go from yeah. a small town into a big city, it can become overwhelming. And you just, because it's so many new things that your mind now, it's fatiguing. It now has to just figure all this stuff out. Well, you know, what we've done here in Melbourne, you know, it's a beautiful, big city, you know, and, and when you're used to that, we've lived here long enough. And, and a lot of people that are from here, you spend your whole life here. Well, you've now gone mm-hmm. from a small town back into a big city. You feel like you should be able to just go right back to your normal way of living. You really just have to give yourself a bit of a break and cut yourself some slack that guess what? Your brain just like a muscle, it is a muscle. It just has to grow. You have to get back into shape of dealing with all the exercise it again. Yeah. All the things around you. So I think it's going to take everyone time. Um, you know, but again, it's, yeah, I I think what Yogi Bear always said, 90% of the game is half mental, right? Half mental. Yep. We just have to, uh, yeah. Keep the positive perspective and just try to be, yeah. Understanding and appreciative and, and just, yeah, I think give everybody around you as well some slack. Uh, we all went through a lot together. The whole world has, right? And so right, right. love everyone and know that everyone's dealing with their own stuff. Um, and just if you give them kindness and a smile and just add value where you can, um, yeah, I think we'll all be better off. 
Okay. Now, uh, something I've been asking of, of people in recent interviews, you know, a lot of folks like to ask people, you know, what keeps them up at night? I've decided to go the other approach. And what is it that helps you fall asleep quickly at night? Well, that I, leaves you I, resting assured. I'm very fortunate. Um, I think I've said that too many times, but I, I really am. So I, I hit the, like, uh, as soon as my head hits the pillow every single night, I fall asleep and I never okay. stay awake. I never dwell on anything. Um, the way that I always look at it is, you know, I can just control what I can control and the rest will handle and take care of itself. Um, so I guess what, yeah, just life and just people and just knowing that every day is a new day to make it a great day. And tomorrow's a new adventure. And I, you know, I just try to avoid getting into the rut of the routine of life where you can just do the monotonous day in, day out. So I just okay. decided tomorrow I get to meet somebody new. I get to do something exciting, like there you go. different. And so every night I just lay, I just, again, am grateful for what I've got and the experiences that I've had. And I just get to know that I get to create new ones tomorrow. Fantastic. But, Fantastic. But, <laughs> so what's, what's the greatest lesson that you have learned in your few years that you've been in Australia? Well, I guess it depends on the context. Like in what I, I'm going to let you choose. I'm going to let you choose the context. Greatest lesson that I've learned in Australia. I, I think more than anything, it's chase your dreams, even if they're not, you know, it, they're out there, you know, I think, and may, you know, may seem unachievable. Yeah. I look back, I never thought I'd live outside of Colorado again. I thought that that would be where I would live forever. And, okay. you know, I very much was on a path, you know, I was engaged and I was working as an auditor. And I think back to that life, I could very much have kids and have that kind of quote unquote American dream life with the white picket fence and the two <laughs> dogs and, you know, but I don't know if I would have been overly happy with that life, especially now seeing what I've been able to create and just how big this world is. So I would, the, the I guess the ultimate lesson that I wish everybody knew is that, man, we've got time, but not all the time. So take advantage of well, that's a good point. opportunity, you know, chase whatever it is that you, your heart is telling you to chase because you know, every day is, is, is decisions and you get to make those decisions, but it's going to ultimately, um, lead you to where your life will be. And so I guess, you know, that whole concept of our thoughts become our actions, our actions become our habits, our habits become the life that we create over two to five years. Well, mm -hmm. we just put that into everyday life, like just go out there, be adventurous, do something exciting every day and chase your dreams. That's what I would say. Okay. Okay. Now, um, to follow that up, I, I, and I've got maybe three or four other questions yep. that I'm going to ask that I want to ask here. Uh, Vegemite, yes or no? Uh, yeah, in small amounts. Okay. Okay. I, I, I've kind of freaked some people out in Australia that I, I tried it for the first time in June and I have gone through six jars in less than six months. Wow. Good on you. I, yeah, I absol absolutely love it. That's amazing. Absolutely love it. I'm, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't. Uh, my, my, my daughter's going to be coming home for a few days uh, during break here shortly. So I'm hoping that I can get her to try it. 
Uh, although it's, I'm down to my last jar right now because I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm still hanging on to my, I'm still hanging on to my empties. You got it. Um, I just started. Yeah. I mean, I have a whole, I have, I have a whole drawer full of the empties here. Cause I've just been putting like loose change in them. Yep. Um, but it's been, uh, yeah, I, it's, I've really enjoyed it. I actually found on Amazon where if I buy a case of, of 12 jars that they're actually like two and a half dollars a jar cheaper than buying them three at a time. So oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be making that, uh, that purchase soon. So, um, you've been, you've been tasked with scheduling a music festival at Marvel stadium. Mm. Okay. What three bands are performing oh. or what three artists are performing? That question might be impossible to answer. Um, well, I will. I, uh, I'll give you a funny story that you'll appreciate. Um, so that falls into this a little bit, uh, make it pretty quick. So there's insane kill. It's very eclectic, funny place, right? Um, lots of artists and a lot of just mm -hmm. different people from it. And I've been playing with a group of old guys. They've been playing in the park for like 25, 30 years together. And I stumbled across them. They invited me in and, um, it took me about a year. And I invited that guy I mentioned earlier, Sam Nix to the, to, to come join us one Wednesday. Cause they do every Sunday mornings and Wednesday afternoons. And it was about a minute before he runs over to me with his eyes wide open. He's like, Oh, do you know who these guys are? And I'm like, nah, just like, well, that's PK and that's Kingy. And that's, you know, I just know him by the nicknames. And he was like, that's Paul Kelly. And this is this famous person. And so it turns out there are all these famous comedians, artists, footy players. Um, and I just didn't, oh, had no cool. idea. So Paul Kelly would be one that I'd put in. Um, Cause again, Australia okay. for the Americans, Paul Kelly is, is a bit of an icon here um in his songwriting um so he would be kind of one that would be great um obviously acdc another australian band that why not okay. man um and then um i don't know i just i i i jump around i listen to jazz i listen to hip-hop i listen to country um okay well yeah we'll stick with those two as the two most famous okay. australian bands Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, so in 25 years, you're going to sit down and write a book that somebody's going to be reading like uh, James Clear's book or Adam Grant's book. What's your book going to be called? Ooh. Um, I think impossible is nothing is already probably taken. Okay. But it would have to be along those veins because I do think that okay. anybody can do anything. I really okay. like with enough time and effort and energy and with the right kind of people around you, you know, you can accomplish anything. And so it'd have to be something around that. Okay. That sounds great. That sounds great. Now, um, last question for you. And uh, what's the proudest moment of your life? Wow. Proudest moment of my life. Um, man, so many thoughts. 
come into my head through this. Um, well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. I'm, I'll tell you what. We're gonna we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna go ahead and adjust this. Yeah. You can mention two since you only put two bands on the stage. Yeah. Okay. You can you can add a second one in if you want to here. Um. Yeah, I think it's first and foremost. I think it's just the relationships that I've been able to create and the people that I get to impact. Like, I, I really am just proud of. Yeah, the people that I've just seen grow and I just, yeah, all, all my friends and family that I just love immensely, like just super proud of the life that I've been slowly creating. I don't even think I'm close to where I want to be. Like, so I've got so much more I'm chasing and that I want to want to achieve in life. Um, but, you know, if we go way back, um, it's every every phase you just every day you got to find something to be proud of like mm-hmm. you know i've done a lot of random things you know whether i was an eagle scout at a pretty young age you know obviously pretty well there you fat. go um you know even just simple things like you know everyone obviously graduated college but for me like you know graduated college um the fact that i've come here i think if i have to put anything it's just the experience that i've had here in australia um and just okay. coming and taking on board so not one thing but just the overall hey i i i i was proud it's the potted plant analogy i think so you know i feel as if you know when you are potted plant right you start hitting the walls that of the pot that you're in mm-hmm. you want to grow you have to repot yourself and so yes. me moving to australia was that but but to be honest that's a difficult thing right you're losing you're leaving all that you know the comfort zones and your friends and your family and your support systems but you almost, for me, I had to do that in order to continue to grow and flourish and to, to expand, right? So I think that's the yeah. thing for me. It's just that I was into okay. it and I'm still here. Fantastic. Fantastic. So um, how can listeners, if they want to follow you on social media, how can they get in touch with you? Or how can they follow you if they're at all interested in doing that? If you, uh, if you're okay with them. Doing yeah. That. Oh, I love, I love chatting with anybody and I will gladly have a conversation okay. and jump onto zoom and just help whoever I can. Um, so my Instagram, definitely just Tyler K Wood, which is my middle name, C A Y W O O D. Um, I, because I'm away from home, I really try my hardest to like post a lot of stories around what I'm doing. Okay. And so that my family and friends can just feel like they're still a part of my life. So mm-hmm. my French bulldog, Albert, and you'll get a lot of my footy and, you know, I've just played baseball yesterday. Just all the random things that I do. Um, so that. All right. So you were saying that if people want to follow you on your socials that, uh, yeah. So if you just follow you, my that in, Instagram, in probably again? is the best. Um, it's just Tyler K Wood, which is my middle name, C A Y W O D. And, um, I just, yeah, I do do a really good job and I try my best to just post a lot of stories about all the adventures and things that I'm doing every day. Um, just to keep my friends and family back home, kind of connected with my life here. Um, and I'm, yeah, always keen to have a chat, um, have a chin wag, learn about you or, or just help you if you want to get across. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at connecting people. So happy to do that always. Fantastic. Fantastic. So ladies and gentlemen, I do want to thank Tyler, uh, Tyler Ames for joining the podcast today. You know, it's, uh, two for two this weekend in my discussions, you know, just people who are absolutely with positive outlooks on life and just, uh, I, I, and actually it's the last three, I interviewed a gentleman recently that I, I, 
Yes. I, I referred to him as being chronically happy, uh, which, uh, mm. which I think, he, I think you might have that as well. Ah, okay. Um, and he lives in the Melbourne area as well. So maybe it's just, maybe it's, it's catching, maybe it's, uh, it's in the water there possibly. So Tyler, I want to thank you for taking time out of your Monday morning for coming on and, and chatting with me. This has been fantastic. A lot of fun. I've loved it. I really appreciate you and, um, all that you do and excited to, yeah, through time, you're just going to continue exploding. Um, I ran somebody just three weekends ago who'd um he does podcasts here but he actually has been on i believe with you and um yeah just couldn't have spoken more highly of you and i think you're going to continue great things you just approach it and do- may may i may i ask who that was um it, i read i met him randomly at a bar and i can't remember his name right now okay <laughs> okay Okay, well, you may have to take a look at my website and see if you recognize the name because I mean, I have, you know, a lot, a lot of people that I've had on there or, you know, and I, that's fantastic hearing that because I, you know, I, yeah, I, I try my best to, you know, I, I don't like being confrontational on here at all. I mean, I love getting into, you know, digging into things and learning. Yeah, you know, cause I'm, I'm trying to learn about the game. You know, you've, you've immersed yourself in it there. You know, I'm, uh, I am, and I, I, I'm living in a house that's about 10 blocks away from where I grew up. And I've, you know, I've yeah. been here, you know, my grandparents lived on the next street over for, from where I live and I'm getting ready to take my dogs for a walk over there here in just a few minutes. Um, so, you know, I, but it's, it's great to be able to, to try to share this game mm. and to share the, the love of this game that people have with, with, with other folks. Cause you know, m- about 60% of the people that do listen are in Australia and the overwhelming majority of them are in Melbourne. Um, but I, one of the things that I've done with this podcast is that I, I I'm trying to use it as kind of like, uh, my Quasimodo climbing up in the bell tower and to try to help tell people about this game. Yes. Because you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge, I, I was a huge baseball fan. I mean, that was, I mean, I was watching baseball constantly. I haven't watched an inning of baseball in two years. Yeah. And it's in, it's mainly because of, of footy. Uh, but I think that the, that major league baseball is unfortunately doing things that are going to destroy itself here in the not too distant future, the way they're, they're tinkering with the game and just the lack of a salary cap in the game as well has been, I actually did, I actually did an episode about that. I recently. Saw that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, but Tyler, thanks, man. I appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. Okay. Appreciate it. So folks, check him out on Instagram. Uh, really cool page. Albert is a cute little puppy dog there. So you can see why he almost ended up being a bulldog supporter. Um, well, he supports one bulldog anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I got him a bulldog jumper though. So he's a big Bulldogs fan. There you go. Well, yeah, but is he a demon though? No. Okay. <laughs> That's good. That's good. You don't want you don't want your dog to be a demon. No. All righty. Well, hey, Tyler, thanks so very much, man. Have a fantastic week. Have a great holiday season. Appreciate it. You as well. Merry Christmas to everyone. And um, yeah, God bless. Chase your dreams. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed that discussion with Tyler Ames. Don't forget that you can find everything related to the podcast over at my website at yankonthefooty.com. Remember, as I mentioned at the start of the episode, if you want to come on as a guest, I'd love to line something up to where we can talk about your favorite club and their prospects for 2022. I hope you'll consider checking that out. You can leave me a voicemail there. You can get on the mailing list. And if you've got a question for me, that would be great as well. Uh, I'm going to be starting my live episodes again here fairly soon. 
once a week to talk about footy with uh, people during a, a live discussion, which I will then, you know, upload as a regular episode. And again, you can get signed up to be a guest there if you are interested in doing so. Uh, also, I hope you'll uh, consider leaving me a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts. And in fact, on my website, there's a button up there that allows you to go to either Apple or to a site called Podchaser and leave a review right there. It'll take you right to the Apple Podcast. So if you listen to the episodes through a different podcast host, which I, I typically listen through Stitcher to my podcasts and others, I should say, but I can't really leave reviews there per se. Apple is kind of what drives it. So if you are interested in, in helping out and allows me to, uh, to share that with other people and hopefully get people interested in checking out the episode, um, you can do that over on my website, yankonthefooty.com and click on the review button. It'll take you there. Remember, if you want to help out the podcast, you can do that, uh, by going to my buy me a coffee page, the little yellow button in the bottom left-hand corner, or checking out my Redbubble storefront. I did actually sell a sticker this past week. So somebody uh, bought a sticker from me, and I truly appreciate that. I thank you so very much. I, I also picked up a handful of stickers as well. And you may notice in the show notes, I do have my mailing address there. And over on my socials, I, I keep updating the, the front of my desk in my classroom, and I'll be updating the sides as soon as it starts to fill in. But I've been adding all sorts of footy-related stickers there. So if you happen to have a, a sticker for your club, I just put a Brisbane Bears sticker up uh, just this past week. It was great to get that one in and be able to display that one. Uh, so if you've got a sticker from your favorite club, um, you know, if it's a local footy club, that'd be fantastic. I love to, to support those and, and show those off. Uh, drop it in the mail. Like I said, my mailing address is in the show notes. I hope, you know, if you've got one laying around, that'd be fantastic. I will give you a shout out for that. I did get my new Grovetown Pirates sticker, one of the newest, actually the newest club in the USAFL. So folks, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up here. I do want to thank you for listening. I want to thank Tyler for, uh, taking time to sit down and talk with me and for his patience, because it's been a few weeks since we did this discussion. And I reached out to him last night to let him know that it was going to be coming out on Monday, uh, Melbourne time. So I hope he enjoys the episode as well. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. And I would truly appreciate it if you consider sharing a link of this episode or your favorite one on your socials or tell your friends about it. Word of mouth is a great way to help grow the listener base. That'd be fantastic. As always, ladies and gentlemen, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I will catch you later. This has been episode 122 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on on Twitter or by email at yankonthefooty at gmail.com or check out my website, yankonthefooty.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook. Before I go, I did want to tell you the, the quote from Tyler in this episode. The thing that really struck, with, struck me was a statement that he made that said, we have time, but not all the time. And that was that just kind of resonated with me because I can find myself getting uh, 
stuck going down rabbit holes watching YouTube videos or things of that nature when I need to be getting things done. So Tyler, great line. So glad you shared that with me, sir. And folks, until next time, goodbye.